You found your home for real sports talk for real sports fans. 1700 KVGG. Good afternoon and welcome in once again. Jimmy B and TC on the air with you. Another solo edition here today. Trent Condon all by myself. But that's A-OK because we have so much to talk about over the next two hours. Thanks for joining me here as we got a busy show lined up for you today. No, you don't have to listen to my drone on and on and on today. A myriad of good guests set to go with us this afternoon, including John Walters, the voice of the Iowa State Cyclones. He'll be by here in about 15 minutes. We will talk a little bit about the decision for Lindell Wigington coming back, what that means for Iowa State going into next season. I've told you now over the last couple of days, I love the way this roster sets up as deep as you're going to find, certainly during the Steve Perome tenure, and you can probably go back even further than that. You look at this roster, 1 through 13, the four freshmen coming in, the nine guys, two eligible transfers this season. It's stacked up. Now, one of those 13 not eligible this year in Prentice Nixon, but I guess 1 through 12, maybe as deep as I can remember, and how Steve Prome is going to battle with that. But the biggest news, obviously, is Wigington being back. So we'll talk some uh, Iowa State basketball with John Walters coming up here in just a little bit. With that, also going to get into some football. And and I also want to talk about expectations for Iowa State. Something that, you know, they have not had to battle very often. Certainly not during the Matt Campbell era has there been a season like this as they go into year number three with the expectations ramped up. Not just at the local level and with the local fan base, but the national recognition that they're gaining. And David Montgomery showing up on a lot of All-American lists. Saw another one today, having him listed as an All-American. You go through the accolades that are going to be coming through this summer. Is It's that time of year. Press releases are out. Going to get those every single day. For the most part, they're a news item. They're not really a talker, but always a good recognition during the offseason leading up to football. And well, we rip another month off the calendar as we are into June we got June, we get to July, by the end of July, Big 12 Media Day, Big 10 Media Day, and before you know it, football is here. I don't want to wish away my summer. I love the summertime, grilling, hitting the beach, making a trip up to Boji, like to do that every summer, you know, all those fun things that you have, can't miss out on that, but football, football more than anything that's what drives things, and we will get into that with John Walters coming up here in just a little bit. After that, it'll be time for another edition of the Hawkeye Swarm with Dr. Stephen Fuller from Fuller Family Dentistry and the Fuller Family Dentistry Hotline. Two locations for Fuller Family Dentistry, one at 2822 East 29th Street in Des Moines and in Altoona, 410 8th Street Southwest. Looking for a dentist. He's a great guy to go to, gives back to his community. And today the topic is... Great Hawkeye running backs. You think running back in a Hawkeye uniform. My personal favorite, Nick Bell. It was at that time in my life. You saw this big hulking guy. Remember the game against Illinois. We'll talk about that a little bit with Doc. Always uh, fun going down memory lane, recent history. I mean, Akron Wadley, where do you put him after he finishes his career last year? Sean Green, the ridiculous season he put together in 2008. Tavian Banks ridiculously good. Cedric Shaw, the all-time leading rusher. He can go old school. I'm sure Dr. Fuller wanted to do that. So 
that's going to be a fun conversation coming up here. That'll come your way at about 4.40 this afternoon. Then in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to welcome in Wolfgang. And we have a lot to talk about with him. He's a LeBron guy. He's, yes, he has been a LeBron fan basically from the get-go. Backed him when there are plenty of detractors. How can there be detractors anymore? We'll talk about that with Wolfgang coming up, even in a loss last night. We'll also get into some Iowa basketball with Tyler Cook and his decision to come back. That'll come your way in the 5 o'clock hour. And as always, you can join me here at 515-264-1700. Dial them up. Anything on your mind will rattle around here for the next couple of hours. But, hey, we talked at the local level yesterday about Tyler Cook coming back, about Lindell Wigington coming back, and we'll certainly talk about that here over the next couple of hours. But I don't know how you can start anywhere other than what happened last night in the NBA. I understand this is not a huge NBA market, though I do believe it is increasing. There was a time period where the NBA was huge. Now, sports talk radio, and certainly in this market, wasn't as big. But but there was a time where the NBA was a huge deal. You look at the numbers that the NBA Finals got during the heyday of Michael Jordan, just how big it was and how it grew from the low point of the late 70s into the early 80s when playoff games were on tape delay late at night on CBS and the behemoth that it came. After Jordan retired, it dissipated. And it is very difficult for us in this market because of the importance of the college sports scene. Football season's going on. You get through that right into college basketball. It, it's difficult to find that niche, but sometimes I do wonder if we should talk NBA a little bit more. I know it's important for the younger generation, maybe a group 10, 15 years behind me. I look at my nephew, and he's a junior in college, and just the way that him and his friends, the way they consume the NBA. So I do wonder that from time to time. But this is the time. When we get to April in the playoffs, May and, of course, June here with the finals, this is the time that we really get into the NBA. And what we saw last night, it left me, I'm not a fan. I like LeBron. I cheer for him. I wanted the Cavs to win last night. This has nothing to do with betting. I mean, degenerate Condon talking about, no, it has nothing to do with that. This was just me personally, bets aside, just wanted to see Cleveland win because I think it would have been compelling for the next couple of days, certainly to talk about, and gave us a chance to get have a series. That more than likely it still would have been like we saw years back with the 76ers getting game one and then losing four straight. I don't know how Cleveland's going to recover from what they saw, but I'm more hopeful for the story. You know, in this business, that, that's what you're rooting for more than anything. We all have rooting interests. We all have teams that, that we root for, guys that you want to see do well. But more importantly, you want great stories. You want to be able to tell those stories and give opinions on them. That's what makes this job so great. But what I saw last night with the block charge call, some of the calls late in the game, you know, Durant getting stripped, Durant going up and having a strip. Well, was it a foul? Was it not? You had George Hill getting raked across the head with a couple minutes left in the game, missed free throws, and then, of course, the final play of regulation after the Hill missed free throw and, and J.R. Smith going completely J.R. Smith and what you'd expect out of that guy. With all of that, I'm, I'm left, pondering, left pondering this. 
as I go back at it, J.R. Smith obviously didn't understand what's going on, and he's tried to go back and forth and say he knew the time. And all right, he didn't know the score. Simple as that. I mean, let's let's not try to sugarcoat this. He didn't know. Okay, it happens. It happens. But that wasn't really the part that was compelling to me. It was a guy that's goofy and weird and different. But after a while, you kind of felt bad for him. I mean, he knew he screwed up. He knew he made a mistake. But what made me so upset was the, the block charge call, which, by the way, the right call was made. They made the right call. LeBron James was not in what they call defensive position. Was Kevin Durant a little bit out of control? Yeah. Yeah, you can make that argument. But I believe they got the call right. It's not my problem. My problem is, first of all, okay, you can go review if a guy is in the restricted area. All well and good. But if this play happened on the baseline, you don't have this. This happens on the baseline. Durant's charging from there. LeBron comes out and you stay with the call. How you can go back and change a call that's made in real time. This wasn't a disagreement. This wasn't one guy having one call and another having another. This was, I have a call. Now we're going to change it after reviewing it. But they went to the monitor to do that. Do we want to really be at a point, and we are in the NBA because it is a rule, you are allowed to go back and look at that if you are looking to make sure that the feet were outside of the restricted area, the semicircle that you see underneath the hoop. Is this where we want to go in basketball? Imagine for a moment. I brought this up earlier today from the noon show. Imagine for a moment. You're watching a football game. Third and eight. Ten-yard stop route. Feet. Dad, did he get them in? They go to the review. So they're at the booth. They're looking up there. Yep, he did get his two feet in. Completed pass. But you know what? We're going to wipe it away because there was a holding penalty on the right tackle. I mean, imagine for a moment that's, and to me, that's very close to what we see here. It's not a perfect back and forth, but it's, it's pretty dang close. Is this really the direction that we want to head? I don't think so. And I was left scathing mad, upset. I, I was shaking. I was shaking. I was so upset. Just the sequence of events down the stretch and then culminating with JR. Put it up. Pass the ball. Call time out. Do something. Don't end like that. Don't end like that. I don't think we're going to get a compelling series, but we have compelling sports talk coming your way here until 6 o'clock. We'll get the break. We got John Walters. He's waiting in the bullpen. We're talking Iowa State with him. Hawkeye Talk coming up later this hour with the Hawkeye Swarm. A great look back at the great running backs in Iowa football history. More on the NBA with Wolfgang. We'll talk Tyler Cook with him. A busy show here until 6 o'clock. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700. Now, listen to 1700 KBGG on Alexa. Say, Alexa, enable the 1700 KBGG skill. Then to play us, say, Alexa, play 1700 KBGG. Simple enough.
Are you interested in starting a new franchise? You can find a lawyer right here in the state of Iowa that can assist in your franchise needs. Rush Niggett of Brick Gentry PC provides law services for those involved in starting a franchise. Find more information online at RushOnBusiness.com where Rush Niggett can assist you in buying and starting a new franchise. A presenting sponsor of the 2018 high school baseball season on 1700 KBGG. Brick Gentry PC and Rush Niggett. Sponsored by Orkin. Every home is unique. That's why Orkin relies on the latest science to get rid of pests. Visit Orkin.com today. Orkin, pest control down to a science. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced golfer, practice makes you, well, can make you perfect. Willow Creek Golf Course is a great place to do just that. Their driving range is open and ready for you to get just a little better. There's lots of room, grass tees, and even a practice green. Call for more information at 515-285-4558 or visit willowgolf.com. That's willowgolf.com. Willow Creek Golf Course on Southeast Willow Creek. You know, as an allergy sufferer, you're wired differently. I sure feel that way. That's why there's Nasacort. It's different, too. You see, unlike antihistamines, Nasacort targets and inhibits more of the allergic inflammation that causes your congestion and other nasal allergy symptoms. My antihistamine doesn't do that? None of them do. Oh, that is different. And it's why Nasacort's more effective at giving you 24-hour relief. So even if I'm wired differently... Nasacort stops more of what makes you miserable. Use as directed. It's almost time to spring into summer. And the Home Depot has savings on select patio sets and accessories at a very relaxing price. Up to 15% off. Savings on durable, weather-resistant frames and cushions. All in the latest colors and fabrics that will stand the test of time, kids, and pool parties. So relax. You got this. Come in now for up to 15% off select outdoor patio sets and accessories. Only at the Home Depot. More saving. More doing. Lost by last, in-store only. Heritage Carousel turns 20 this year, and we want to celebrate with you. Join us on Saturday, June 9th, from noon to 4, as we wish the carousel happy birthday. This great family-friendly event will include food, face painting, classic cars, magic, balloon animals, and, of course, free carousel rides during the party. So join us at the Heritage Carousel in Union Park on June 9th. The Heritage Carousel is owned and operated by the Des Moines Carousel Foundation and is a not-for-profit organization. For more information, go to heritagecarousel.org. Washer Systems of Iowa, blasting grime and saving you time. At Washer Systems of Iowa, we have an experienced factory-trained service department and will work on any American-made pressure washer. Washer Systems of Iowa featuring Mighty M Industrial Pressure Washers. Mighty M, built in Iowa, number one in Iowa. Washer Systems of Iowa. Visit their showroom at 6050 Northeast 14th Street in Des Moines or online, washersystems.com. Hey guys, Nate Adams. Buying jewelry can be scary. When I was ready to propose, I went online first. But then I stopped by Christopher's Fine Jewelry. Christine showed me the four C's and helped me understand what I was buying. I got a ring that my wife loves to this day and a relationship with a local jeweler that is so important. If you're ready to propose, go to Christopher's today. 
Stop by today to see the many unique rings in all price ranges. Learn more at Christopher'sJewelry.com. At Wolf Construction, we do many large construction projects across the Midwest, but we started as a roofing company and we're still a roofing company today. At Wolf Construction, we believe in honest work, a fair price, and work we stand behind, and our 10-year workmanship warranty proves it. We know roofing. With our one-day get-it-done approach, we're known as a roofing machine. Call Wolf Construction for a free estimate at 515-225-8866 or visit us on the web at wolfconstruction.net. At Wolf Construction, we take your roof personally. It's time for your daily dose of Cyclone coverage on 1700 KBGG. All right, we're back once again, Jimmy B and TC, taking you up until 6 o'clock tonight, solo edition on a Friday afternoon, getting ready for a fun weekend after Memorial Day in the books, and we flip the calendar to June. John Walters joins us from Cyclones.tv and the voice of the Iowa State Cyclones. John, another month down, another one ripped off the calendar. We're getting closer to football season. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to wish away summer, but you're exactly right. Less than 100 days now, and... You know, the announcement just yesterday that Iowa State fans have gobbled up every one of those south end zone club seats, so those are sold out on a season ticket basis for the first time ever, 3,000 uh, club seats in that south end zone. And it just shows you that <laughs> fans are thinking football, we're thinking football, um, and it, and we should. It's exciting to think about, you know, the direction that this program seems to be heading, and uh, I think everybody's jacked about that. You know, we were out on the tailgate tour, and, saw just tremendous um, passion for football. Uh, people are really excited about it and wanted to get a picture with Matt Campbell, get an autograph, and um, there's no doubt in my mind that Iowa State will set a new attendance record. Now, I'm not supposed to say stuff like that because <laughs> who knows what's going to happen, but I, there's no doubt in my mind it's going to happen. You know, yeah. they're gonna, They set one last year, just under 58,000 fans per game, uh, seven home games this year. Um, I think there'll be some sellouts, if not a completely sold-out schedule. And so it's going to be really fun to just kind of see where this thing goes this year. It really is. Tons of anticipation. They're on preseason top 25 lists, watch lists. I saw David Montgomery, four-team All-American, and a preseason list today. I mean, the accolades are going to be coming in throughout this season. But, you know, one thing you do have to think about is this is going to be the first time for certainly this group and, and Matt Cam- Campbell as a head coach to have these kind of expectations, you know, it, is that something that you think is a talking point at the very least as they get into summer workouts? Hey, it, we can't rest on our laurels. We always got to be moving forward. I don't think it's a talking point. I think it's the talking point. Uh, Coach Campbell has talked about that throughout the tailgate tour and uh, just every every opportunity I've heard him talk, he's, he's talked about, you know, Year one, we learned how to compete. Year two, we learned how to win. Year three, we got to learn how to deal with expectations. And this is the first time for any of these guys that they have had something like this. Now, expectations is relative. I, I think within the state borders, um, people are pretty excited, you know, and people are pretty optimistic. You start looking at the Vegas odds or, you know, the preseason magazines, and even though it's a more optimistic picture for Iowa State than we've seen in past years, they're still picked, you know, sixth, seventh, whatever, in the Big 12. It's not like people are picking them to win the league. So it is relative, um, but I don't think they're setting the bar low at all. I I think they're shooting for trying to win the whole thing. And um, at the same time, they have to understand that it's not just going to be a matter of 
showing up and it'll happen. You know, and even right immediately after the Liberty Bowl, the very first thing uh, that Coach Campbell told his team, you know, proud of you guys, but this doesn't guarantee you anything. This does, this does not put you in a position where automatically this is all going to happen again. You're going to have to work even harder now that people have a little bit of a target on you uh, to win those close games again. And, and so he understands it better than anybody, but I, you know, I think getting that message through to the guys, finding those leaders to emerge that can really hammer that message home, um, you know, I, I think in his mind this is the time right now where if they're going to be successful – in the in the fall, it's because of what they're doing right now, not because of what they're going to do on game week for TCU or for Oklahoma State, but what what they're doing right now to to get in the right mindset for the entire season and that grind from August all the way through December. And so, um, I, I think they're in a good place there. Uh, he was certainly pleased with spring practices. He never he never once felt that they had a bad spring practice, which is unusual. I mean, usually you get one with that's a clunker in there somewhere, but he didn't feel like they had a bad day during spring practice. So there's a lot of encouraging signs, Trent, but, uh, again, nothing's handed to you, and there's a lot of other programs that are pretty good uh, that you're going to face this year that are thinking the same way you are, uh, and you're going to be in a lot of close games, and can you win more than your share? That's going to dictate whether or not Iowa State has the kind of season that they hope to have. John, how about leadership in, inside the locker room? Who are some of the guys that you look at that – are those guys, be it vocal or just leading by example, who are some of the names that you'd point to? Uh, Ray Lima, for sure, is a, a, a guy who's so modest in his own um, approach to things, but at the same time, he, he's humble, but he is a really good person who, who brings guys along. Brian Peavy, without a doubt, is a, is a great leader and a really engaging personality that guys gravitate to. Marcel Spears, uh, there, there's three guys... Uh, on the defensive side of the ball that I think uh, will be terrific leaders uh, for this football team. On the offensive side, you know, David Montgomery is probably the best leader on the team, period. Uh, just the way that he carries himself uh, is extraordinary. Um, I, I think Julian Good-Jones is emerging as a leader for that offensive line, which, you know, I think they need a guy to be that guy that everybody kind of looks at and, and feels like, you know, he's the one who's, setting the tone for that group, and I, I think Julian can be that guy. I think Hakeem Butler has a lot of natural leadership ability. So I think there's plenty of guys that are capable of it. Um, you know, we'll see which guys get named captains, but that's just naming six right there, three on each side of the ball that I certainly think highly of, and I think the coaching staff does too. You know, the, the other thing football-wise, and we'll get into Lindell Wigington coming back here in just a little bit with John Walters joining us here on Jimmy B and TC. John, is Kyle Kempt as the quarterback coming in for the first time throughout his six-year career as the guy. That, that has to be something completely different. And though I, I know there's some out there that wonder about arm strength and, and how much upside is there after that great season he put together, he's getting the number one reps. He's running through as the number one quarterback. That has to add a lot to him, not just physically and what he can do, but also mentally what he's going through this offseason. No, no question, and, and that's a guy I probably omitted that I probably should have mentioned when I'm talking about guys that will emerge as leaders. I think Kyle's a guy that everybody looks up to. You'd like to have your senior quarterback uh, certainly be one of your leaders, and I think Kyle is for sure one of those guys. Uh, even Zeb Nolan, who you know is trying to win the starting job from him, just speaks so highly uh, of Kyle Kemp. I think for Kyle the big thing is, we never really saw him healthy in the last three or four games last season. I mean, if you look at those passes in the Liberty Bowl, 
it's amazing he didn't throw an interception <laughs> because, uh, man, those things were getting shot out of the air. You know, I mean, they were wobbling, and he just couldn't put any zip on the ball. He just didn't have the arm strength. He was, he was trying to play through injuries, and I think, you know, Alan Lazard made some incredible catches that could have been even bigger plays if Kyle was able to put the zip on the ball that we know he can. And, you know, he's never going to remind anybody of Johnny Unitas with the arm or John Elway. Uh, but at the same time, I think he has a much stronger arm than what he was able to show late last season. And in spring practice, I thought he threw the ball with a lot more zip, uh, just as a casual observer. But I did ask Matt Campbell about that. He said, yeah, he's definitely throwing it better now. And so I think he's healthier and is going to be able to put enough zip on it that even though he won't have as strong of arm as Zeb Nolan, it'll certainly be strong enough to make all the throws that he needs to make. But more importantly for Kyle, He's just that coach on the field type of guy. You know, he's a guy that understands the offense inside and out. Super intelligent guy, computer science major. Um, you know, sixth year in college. He, he's a mature, bright guy that understands where everybody's supposed to be on the field and can really run that offense. And so, I think that you know, especially with not having really truly an offensive coordinator right now, Matt Campbell calling the plays. I think he's going to put a lot of faith in Kyle Kemp and what he can do as far as making decisions on the fly. And I think you'll see Kyle have a very, very good year. Um, I think Zeb will still push him. I, I do. And I think Real Mitchell will play. Uh, and I think that's going to be exciting. But uh, I think Kyle will certainly be a leader on this football team. Over to some basketball and the news from uh, yesterday. Uh, well, actually, a couple of days ago, we were on the air as it, as it broke. Lindell Wigington announcing that he'll be coming back for his sophomore season with the Cyclone basketball team. It, it was, I don't know, it just it felt a little bit odd as you were out of the tailgate tour. I was reading reports from people that were there, and it felt like the chances were increasing as time went on that maybe he would stay in the draft. Did you see it that way, or did you always feel he was going to be back for the season? I, I felt that he would come back uh, you know, early uh, in the whole process, probably a lot like you guys. I was every bit as much in the dark as anybody else, and most times that's not the case. I'll at least have some indication you know, uh, before an announcement's made, but in this case, I had no idea until Lindell announced it, and you're right. I think as the time got closer and closer, um, it got a little bit scarier and scarier from an Iowa State perspective that maybe he wouldn't be coming back. But I think he was just getting as much information as he possibly could. There's no doubt he's, he's intent on playing in the NBA at some point. Um, I think it was probably in his best interest to go through that exactly like he did, uh, get as much information as he possibly could, and then make the smartest decision with his family that he could make. And uh, you know, it's funny because I, I did talk to Steve Prom about it yesterday, and um, he really feels like with Lindell, it's not so much the tangible stuff. Yeah, everybody can see that, you know, I, I think he needs to improve his handle a little bit. Defensively, he's got to get a little bit better. Not that he was bad, but I think he can get better on that end of the floor. Um, he's got to continue to be consistent with that jump shot. I'm sure there's a lot of things that the NBA people gave him as feedback. I, I really thought coming into last season, that he would be a guy that could finish at the rim, and he did. Um, but I thought that would be a strength and that the shooting would be the struggle, and it was kind of the opposite. I mean, the shooting was way better than I expected. Uh, and I think if he can continue to improve in all those areas, that's great. But Steve Prohm said it, and I 100% agree with him. None of that matters as much right now as Lindell proving to be a leader, uh, the team kind of rallying around him, and winning. And 
you know, as Coach Prohm said, at this, the biggest stage in college basketball is March. That's when guys really get noticed and uh, elevate their games and play at that high level on a big stage. And the best thing for Lindell is not if he raises his shooting percentage by 1% or has two more assists per game than he had this year. The best thing for Lindell is if Iowa State wins uh, 23, 24, 25 games and, and, you know, gets back in that NCAA tournament and, and does some damage, that would be the best thing for him to make that step. So I think he understands that. And as a guard, you know, you're, you're impacting winning in a big, big way. And so I think it's kind of on his shoulders now to take that step mentally um, and to guide a team through some choppy waters at times. And I think as a freshman, that's a lot to put on a guy's shoulders. Um, but I think he'll take a big step forward in that in that area this season. You know, we saw Nick Weiler-Babb take over that point guard position last year and did such a good job. Injuries obviously derailed uh, his season by the end last year. But but with that, for Wigington, you, know, you don't see many 6'2", two, two guards in, in the league anymore. He's going to have to really improve those point guard skills and run in the team. Do you think there's been much conversation as how that's going to play out? Because Wigington wants Iowa State, obviously, to win, but... He's also got to work on that part of his game and being a point guard for the next level. Yeah, I don't know that Steve Prohm really defines him too much by position. I think the game of college basketball is becoming a lot more positionless. As time goes on, uh, you're putting your five best players out there regardless of their size, and you're not going conventional one through five. Um, I, I think he just wants guards, period. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't mind having a couple guys that you could put that uh, – quotation marks around point guard out on the floor at the same time. So I think for Nick and Lindell to be on the floor at the same time will be valuable for Lindell. Um, and and I think both those guys can, can be that point guard at any given time. I, I do think that Lindell does need to improve in those areas. I think for sure that's something that he can do this coming season. But, you know, there's going to be a ton of competition for minutes in the guard court and, and on the team, period. I mean, all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that was, you know, playing seven guys at the end of last season, and uh, there was no questioning that you were going to get your minutes. Uh, to all of a sudden, man, there's 13 guys that are pretty good that are going to be out there battling for those minutes, and you're really going to have to earn everything. And so, um, you know, Mariel Shayok and um, Michael Jacobson and Taylor Horton Tucker, a lot of these guys are going to have a lot to say about who's playing, you know, and. Uh, Zoran Talley comes back, who I think is a guy that everybody kind of forgets about, but he, he was doing a lot of the ball handling toward the end of last year, too, against pressure. And so, you know, there's a lot of different guys, a lot of different pieces, um, but I think Lendell can, can make that step forward in his ball handling. I think he needs to, and right now is the time to do that. You know, I mean, during the season, it, it, it's not as easy to refine your individual skills as it is right now in the summer. And and that's where he's got to really grind to improve that handle. Is you know these next couple months. You mentioned this team, and I absolutely I'm in love with this roster. I mean, even leaving the freshmen aside, and you're bringing in a top twenty recruiting class, including a top fifty player in Horton Tucker, a top one hundred player in Griffin. Just leaving those guys out of there, you look at the way that this team has been built up. You get combinations that you can play. You mentioned Tally; he can do a bunch of things. I mean, you can play big, you can play small. The combinations that Coach Proma goes from last year, where you just wonder if they're going to have five guys to throw out on the floor, to this year, certainly the deepest team that Steve Prom has had. No question, and he still is a guy that really only likes to play about eight guys max. He doesn't really like to go ten or twelve deep. So, 
and I think the competition in practice is going to be really intense, and uh, guys are going to be fighting like crazy to find their way into that rotation. I'm not saying for sure that it'll only play eight guys, but I think at the beginning of next season, you'll probably see him playing nine or ten on a given night, and then as the season wears on, he generally shrinks that roster down, shrinks that rotation down to about eight guys that are out there consistently. So everybody's going to be competing like crazy. But, yeah, I, I think there's ingredients here that add up to something that has a chance to be successful. It's all on paper, though. You know, None of it's happened yet. It, it's a lot of speculation, but I, I do love the versatility of some of the players on that roster. Uh, the interchangeable parts, I think, is a really – a uh, good thing to have if if you're uh, Steve Prome, Solomon Young returning with another year of experience under his belt will certainly be good. I'd love to see a big jump from Cameron Lard and see if he can take that that next step because he's just oozing with talent. You know, it's just what what can he do with it? You know, uh, can he understand the value of that talent and where it could take him? Uh, because if he can and he can focus all that energy on becoming that great player, there's no doubt in my mind he could become that. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions still to be answered, but uh, yeah, you look at that roster and you get it, you get pretty excited about next basketball season. And I think, uh, at the very least, you'll see Iowa stay back in contention to get to the NCAA tournament, and hopefully, it's a team that can get in there and and get back to what I think has become kind of the norm with Iowa State basketball over the last uh, six, seven years. Well, I'll tell you right now, John, my, my expectations are going to be through the roof, and then I'll go watch some Capital City League games, and they'll go even <laughs> higher. <laughs> you know how that goes every single summer. Sure, Ron Dorsey Walker still has a scoring record. Right, yeah, I, I fall victim to it every single year. Uh, I love it, though. Get, get the summertime, it's a great time, and excited to see these guys back out on the hardwood uh, this summer. Before uh, we go, John, one final thing, coming full circle back to football. Start times have been released for the first three games of the season. Night game to kick it off against a very good South Dakota State team who will come in September 1st. The Iowa game, 4 o'clock start for that one. An odd start time, not kind of what we're normally accustomed to with uh, the Big Ten, though, this being an Iowa home game. Their new connection with Fox, and that'll lead into Stanford-USC on Big Fox on the 8th. I'm I'm kind of really liking this 4 o'clock start time. At least can get back to uh, the Des Moines area at a semi-decent time. I think it's perfect. I mean, I wish they'd play the Iowa State-Iowa game at 4 o'clock every year. That's yep. a great time to play that game. And uh, so many people are driving in from different parts of the state, and they can all get there in plenty of time, have some fun, uh, enjoy the game, and then get home that night. I think that's that's a terrific time to play it. And that window for national television, that's really, really cool because um, Fox is really touting that triple header that they're going to have that day, and that game's sandwiched right in the middle of it all. And um, that's going to be a big spotlight for the Iowa State-Iowa game. And, uh, you know, it's a game that I think deserves that spotlight. You don't see a ton of great um, – well, you do. You see, you do see some good non-conference games, but it's usually a handful. And there's some weekends where it gets pretty pretty weak pickings in, in the non-conference. But that one, to me, is one that's always exciting. You've got the rivalry aspect of it. And now you've got two pretty good football teams. Yes. And, and I think that – from a Fox perspective, that one will get a little bit more national interest than it normally does, and, and it's great to have it in that window right at 4 o'clock, and then you know, come back and have Oklahoma the next week at 11 a.m. on national TV again, and so um, it, it's going to be fun to see the schedule kind of play out, but I don't know how much more we're going to learn. But South Dakota State is, is anything but uh, one to ignore for an opener, and you're right, they were very, very good last year getting to the semifinals of the FCS, and 
returning their quarterback, who's an Iowa native and a good player. And I watched their, their game with James Madison, and I'm really glad the tight end and the wide receiver are gone because <laughs> yeah. those were really, really good players. But they've got some excellent players, and uh, it, it, that'll be a good test to open it up on Cyclones.tv on uh, September 1st. Looking forward to it. John, always great talking with you. Enjoy it. Happy news in Cyclone land with Linda Wigginton coming back. Going to be a fun season, but we got a fun season of football before we even get to hoops. Thanks, as always, for your time. Thanks, Trent. John Walters, Cyclones TV, joining us, the voice of Iowa State. Always love catching up with him and breaking down the Cyclones. Well, we got more to break down coming up on the other side. We'll be breaking down Iowa running backs, some of the greatest of all time. It's our Hawkeye Swarm segment presented by Dr. Stephen Fuller and the Fuller Family Dentistry. Two locations, one on East 29th Street and Des Moines, the other in Altoona, 8th Street Southwest. If you're looking for a new dentist, Dr. Fuller, great guy to work with, can help you out, and uh, also does a lot giving back to the community, both at the AAU basketball level, AAU sports, also part of organization with the Iowa Dental Association, giving away dental care each and every year, nearly a million dollars every year given away in their big event. That's coming up in October. More on that coming up here. It's the Hawkeye Swarm. We're taking a look back at Hawkeye running back, some of the best of all time. We'll do it next year. It's Jimmy B and TC at 1700. Back once again with the another edition of the Hawkeye Swarm, Dr. Stephen Fuller. You hear him uh, throughout the fall. We're going into the fall. We're going to have a lot of uh, big events planned end of the summer. And Dr. Fuller, well, before we get into the Swarm portion, you, of course, sponsor the hotline, Fuller Family Dentistry. you got your two locations, so new clients. You know, one of the nervous things for a lot of people is I haven't been to the dentist for a little while. That was mine. I didn't have dental insurance in college, and the first time I went back, I was kind of nervous about it. You're, you're not going to wreck anybody, right? You're, you're nice to them. Oh, yeah. We're always nice and courteous and, and understanding. I mean, you know, there's things that happen, and people lose insurance and go on and off insurance, and you you got to fit the treatment to what the patient uh, needs. I mean, you know, you can't always uh, do the ideal treatment all the time, and, and uh, you present. Uh, if, if I was sitting in the chair and know what I know, uh, what would I want to get done? Uh, and, you know, as I tell my patients, they're the boss, and, and if this is what you want done, then that's what we'll do. And get it done, and that's a good thing. Two locations, East 29th Street in Des Moines and 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. Dr. Stephen Fuller here with Fuller Family Dentistry. Well, we have our Hawkeye Swarm going on throughout the summer. We're t- taking a look at a-, a bunch of different things. We've talked about some great seasons, some great moments, our favorite stadiums, uh, traveling around. Today we are going to tackle... Well, something that was difficult to tackle, running backs. Running backs, some of the greats in Iowa history. So, uh, well, a few of the names that obviously popped to mind right away. You got Tavian Banks, Cedric Shaw, Sean Green, Nick Bell. Those are the ones, at least in the beginning of my era, over 38 years, that kind of jumped to the forefront for me. Do you have a favorite out of that group? Out of that group or out, out of, of all? That, out of that group, uh, oh. or, or are you going to go old school on it? Well, you know, there's so many that you could really, really choose. Uh, but, yeah, Cedric Shaw, I mean, how, how can you, the all-time, you know, uh, one of the best rushers that we've had in quite a while. And, uh, uh, you know, and he played, what, 93, 96. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, you know, and you throw in there Liddell Betts. Yes. Um, R- you know, very underrated one. Because yes. he was working behind some bad offensive lines. Yeah, and he got the job done. Mm-hmm. And uh, he went on to, if I remember right, the the Washington Redskins yep. and, and played a few years there. So uh, for whatever reason, you know, our running backs uh, really don't go high in the draft and they don't last long in the NFL. But uh Hopefully that will change with uh, Akram Wadley this yeah. year, and and uh, but you, you know you think about uh, Sean Green. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, one year he's uh, a, a furniture mover, and, <laughs> and then he's uh, working it uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes, and and, uh, and then he, he works. Uh, was it the New York Jets? And yep. I can't remember where he finished up his career, but uh, had a couple nice years with the Jets. He had nice years with the Jets, and and you know. You know, how do you pick your best back from that time? You know, in, in terms of just dynamic, there's great moments. You know, early on, Tavian Banks, I remember him ripping off a run to begin the game against Iowa State, goes 80 yards and, and had a monster performance. The, what, 314 yards rushing he had in the game against Tulsa. It was just some unbelievable performances. We mentioned Cedric Shaw. I still remember that Michigan State game where he was putting the work on Michigan State, lowering his shoulder and, and playing so well. And Sean Green, there were a ton of those moments during that 2008 season. And you think about Owen Gill. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. The, you know, as, uh, or, you know, Hayden Fry used to call him the baby bull. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. know, how can you leave him out of that mix? And and what about Akram Wadley? I, yeah. We just mentioned him a little bit ago. But, where does he uh, fit in? It's, where does he tough. fit in? And, yeah. and, you know, he comes off the bench in his first uh, start up at uh, Northwestern, and he rattles off uh, over 200 yards, mm-hmm. if I remember right, or close to 200 yards. And uh, he was a true freshman. And we needed it then because uh, we were down to uh, the water boy or maybe me coming out of the stands. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was just a crazy game. You know, Wadley, a couple times early in his career, put the ball on the turf. By, what was it, four fumbles, his first 33 touches, something like that. He can't do it. No. And normally, under Kirk Ferentz, that guy's not going to see the field. But they were backs against the wall. They didn't have anybody else. They turned to him and, and an offensive line that was in the state of flux. Ricky Stancy, there's still people that can't believe he played in that game. They go out there and throttle Northwestern during the undefeated run. And it was a heck of a game. It was great to be up there at uh, Northwestern and, and uh, really see that. And the Wildcats really didn't have a whole lot to cheer about. And, no. And, and if I remember right, at that game, they uh, introduced uh, the Princess. Oh, really? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I was like... Who's that? You know? Well, now we know. <laughs> the princess. <laughs> the princess. The princess. You know, so some single season performances as well. Now, for me, I think maybe my favorite player just because of the time period was Nick Bell. Nick Bell, big hulking guy. The run against Illinois early on when they Illinois came in, ranked in the top five in the country, and I would just put it to him, got out twenty eight nothing at the end of the first quarter and rolled from there. Nick Bell was probably one of my earliest favorites in terms of running back. So that's one that I, we certainly at least have bears mentioning here. I mean, it's, it's nearly in, it's so difficult to, to go through these guys and figure out how you'd rank them. Well, exactly. I mean, it, it, it all depends on the year because the dynamics from year to year. I mean, were the backs, you know, really needed per se? I mean, they're always needed. Don't get me wrong, but were, you know, was the quarterback using the receivers more? 
uh, that year and uh, as an option. And, uh, you know, we have it, uh, and one we haven't mentioned is Eddie Podlack. I mean, you know, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a way back. I mean, right. you know, but, uh, how can you forget about Eddie Podlack and, and, you know, the shadow of them all, Ronnie Harmon, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And um, a guy in terms of talent, maybe the most talented guy that we're talking about out of this group. And another guy, when you just talk about talent, maybe one of those great ifs is Jermel Lewis. Lewis was healthy during the 2002 season, had a kick return for a touchdown, got the shovel pass against Michigan as they uh, whitewashed the Wolverines in the big house. We mentioned that when we were talking about our favorite road games ever. We like those road games when that, we that take was it at the mine. big house. And uh, that happened right in front of us, the shovel pass to, to Jamel Lewis. But he had so many injuries. That guy, that, that's the one that I still wonder, with the offensive lines that they had during that time period, if he was healthy, what kind of numbers Jamel Lewis would have put up? Oh, no doubt. And, and think about... Uh, Tony Stewart mm-hmm. and yes. Mark Weissman. I mean, yeah. there, there's another name. He was one and done, but, uh, uh, you know, he was basically the last option for the University of Iowa, uh, that year that he played because there was nobody else. Everybody mm-hmm. else was banged up and it was more of a, uh, passing offense because that's what had to be done. 2004, it was Sam Brownlee. That was all that was left. Yeah. Sam Brownlee's not going to get mentioned in this conversation, no, but no. you got to love the kid. Adolphus Shelton, who, uh, in fact, I brought up just the other day, had the interception against Purdue during that 2002 season. He had to move over from defensive back to running back that season because they were just so depleted. It's a lot of fun, interesting conversation. Let's just go to the top. If you had one running back at his prime in an Iowa uniform for one game, who are you taking? Ooh, one game. I'd have to probably say Owen Gill. Owen Gill. Owen Gill, just right. because uh, he was a big boy, but mm-hmm. he could he could motor it when he needed to motor it. I'm going Sean Green during that 2000. Well, that's season. a good pick too. I mean, physical could run away from people the or, way he, or bang them. Yes, and put his shoulder down when need be. Sean Green, I don't remember seeing anything quite like that. What he was doing throughout the year. So, in, in an individual game. Give me 2008 Sean Green, and I'm good. And you won't get an argument from me on that one because, yeah, Sean Green, I mean, wow, what a, you know, a total package that he could either outrun you or run over you. And, mm-hmm. and basically, uh, the defensive back had to go, what was the license plate that just hit me? <laughs> right. The runs at Wisconsin and Purdue are two games that, that really jump out to my mind during that season. Uh, the whiteout game, the greenout game, excuse me, against Penn State when Penn State came to town looking like they were going to be playing for a national championship. And another one of those great moments, certainly, in Kinnick history. And we'll be talking about that here throughout the summer with Dr. Stephen Fuller and our Hawkeye Swarm segment. So running back's the topic today. Before we get out of here, maybe a peek into this year at the running back position. You got Torin Young, Ivory Kelly Martin. Those are the two guys listed. And we're hearing maybe one of the young guys could come in. Henry Guile's been talked about from up in Green Bay going to be a freshman this season but you feel confident with young and kelly martin coming into the season i you know i think they've had some experience this last year mm-hmm. and and uh i i don't have any problem uh handing it off to either one of them i mean uh they look so good when they got the ball and uh 
they kind of have glimpses of uh, running backs from the past. Yeah. Young's got that big frame to him. And I thought it was very interesting going back to spring practice is, you know, the co- coaches talked a little bit. You figure Ivory Kelly Martin's a guy that gets the swing pass out of the backfield and does some things. They were saying that Young was catching the ball better coming out of the backfield. And you got a big guy like that that can also catch it out of the backfield. Something Sean Green didn't do very well. No, he he, he didn't. You <laughs> had to strength. hand the ball to him. Yes, yes. <laughs> Don't throw it out there. No. Just hand it to the big man. You got something there, though. I really like Torn Young. I think he's got a chance to have a really nice season, be that guy that gets 200, 220 carries this year, change of pace with Kelly Martin. They're in good shape, but seemingly, as always, probably can't afford many injuries in the backfield this year. I don't think we can afford too many injuries in the backfield or the receiver court this year, and uh, uh, it does open up things uh, if your running back can get out into the flat and and the linebacker kind of goes to sleep on him and and uh, adds an, another dynamic that we really haven't had for a while. I mean, you know, Akram Wadley could mm-hmm. catch the ball, but. Uh, uh, sometimes the accuracy wasn't there. Not always the strongest point. It's a Hawkeye Swarm on 1700 KBGG. Dr. Stephen Fuller joining us here from Fuller Family Dentistry. And uh, each and every week we take a look back at the Hawkeyes and also a peek forward from time to time. Doc, we'll do it again next week. All right. Have a good week. Thanks again to Dr. Fuller for joining us. We'll take the break. Coming back with more, we kick off the next hour talking with Wolfgang. NBA Finals, Game 1 last night. Wolfgang, a big LeBron fan, will get his perspective on that. We'll talk some Tyler Cook, and we'll do it next year as we take you to 6 o'clock tonight. Jimmy B and TC on 1700.